0: On digital radio across the UK, online and in your ears right now. Welcome to. My house, the
1: green green grass of
2: home, my hometown. There is our house.
0: This is a local shop for local people. Jeff Lloyd's hometown glory on Union Jack.
3: Oh, and thank you so much for downloading or streaming or listening to or maybe somebody as an elaborate practical joke has put this onto your smartphone. Anyway, thank you for being there. Thank you for being you, uh, and thank you for happening across intentionally or otherwise my new saturday job jeff lloyd's hometown glory on union jack so i'm jeff lloyd uh to to the best of my knowledge and this is a podcast from union jack radio if you don't know what union jack is it is a wonderful new digital radio station no annoying djs except for me I said, I don't want any competition. And other than that, they just play six decades of the best of British music and and celebrate British comedy. And the best thing is that you, yes, you, as long as you choose to engage, that is, pick every song that plays. You, You get to vote for them on the Union Jack app. If you're a control freak, this is the radio station for you. Anyway, on with the show. Uh, If this is your first time on the podcast, I'm sure you'll be up to speed very quickly. It's Britain's best comedians taking me on a trip down memory lane to their hometowns. We've had Matt Ford, we've had Tom Allen, and today it is the turn of a comedy stalwart who's done so much great stuff over the years. He's terrifyingly prolific. It is Richard Herring. Cheddar, Somerset Home of Britain's most famous cheese They've been making it here since the 12th century And of Cheddar Man, Britain's oldest complete human skeleton And bane of racists everywhere After DNA experts recently figured out that he'd have had brown skin and although Cheddar has given the world so much in terms of archaeology and cheesemongery, its contribution to music has been less than spectacular. The bass player from this lot is from here. Put your hands on, put your hands on. And the Goss twins from Bros lived here for nine months as children.
0: When will I, will I be famous?
3: And the answer to that question, in case you were wondering, was from November of 1987 till the back end of 1989. Cheddar, though, was the childhood home to one of our best comedians, Richard Herring. Richard started his comedy career writing on Armando Iannucci's On the Hour, helping to shape this character.
2: This is Sports Desk. I'm Alan Partridge. And it's a very special Desk of Sport this week, as we look forward to an exciting summer of action.
3: And with Stuart Lee, he formed one of the 90s finest comedy double acts.
2: You want the moon on a stick! No, you want the moon on a stick!
3: Since then, Richard has been a comedy machine, touring annual one-man shows such as The Headmaster's Son, Hitler Mustache, Lord of the Dance Setty, and most recently, Oh Frig I'm 50, He's also written plays, sitcoms, a fantastic daily blog, and he's one of the country's foremost podcasters with his Richard Herring's Leicester Square Theatre podcast, which has featured guests like Simon Pegg, Kathy Burke, Louis Theroux, and Stephen Fry. And if that wasn't exhausting enough, Richard recently found time to raise more than 150,000 pounds for domestic violence charity Refuge by calling out idiots on Twitter on International Women's Day.
2: But that- that isn't what's am saying, people, people are furiously angry that International Women's Day exists. And when I say people, I do mean men.
3: Uh- Hello, I'm Jeff Lloyd, and with the help of an iPad and Google Maps, I'm about to take Richard Herring time traveling to the streets where he grew up in Union Jack's hometown glory. <laughs> Richard Herring, hello. Hello. So we need to start in Yorkshire just very briefly. Okay, yeah. Because you spent the first eight years of your life in Yorkshire. Four years, four years in Pocklington in Yorkshire. And, Pocklington? Yeah. So do you have any memories of Pocklington?
2: Very few. So I kind of vaguely remember finding a living tiny bird that had fallen out of a nest with my brother and sister as we were walking around the road and taking it home. A little macabre remember, scene. Yeah, I remember that and I remember going to someone's house... A very old woman at the door and then she pulled a scared face and I was then scared and cried. But I think she was joking. I think she was one of my great aunties who were like 100 at the time. So what's the family connection to Pocklington? Um, My dad was a teacher and so all of the places I lived were basically where he was working. Then I was born in Pocklington because my dad was working at the Pocklington Public School at the time where Adrian Edmondson went, but subsequently I think sat to work to our tenure there. Aha. So there's, a, so there's an occasion I get little Facebook messages from people who were taught by my dad at various places. One of them was from Halifax recently, and he said he's called... He, we used to call him Kipper Herring. <laughs> that's uh, good. I mean, and, my, that's... and my dad remembered... A thir- when they, oh, my dad was telling me a story about how that group of guys, they were all... It was quite a nice school and they were good kids, but they didn't work that hard and they all went off somewhere. <laughs> they all bunked off quite a lot. Uh, and they did their exams and then the results never came back. And then six months later they found this mailbag in a river and the train that these these <laughs> papers had been on had been robbed and then they'd been thrown in the river so they all got quite good marks because they couldn't mark the papers like they pity were, marks yeah yeah so they got higher marks than they would have got because wow. there was no way of marking their papers kipper herring is great it sounds like something from uh, pre war time literature it does yeah yeah, yeah. so uh, but then he went to we moved to Loughborough for four years uh, he was teaching in a, a school in Korn Corn. Corn, which like is... Like the meat substitute. Yeah, it's pre the meat substitute. I don't think the substitute's named after corn. But, right. And then, then he was deputy head there, and then he got a headship, and that's when we moved to Cheddar in 76, I think.
3: You're you're a Cheddar man. You mean you're not well, the original Cheddar man, as we not, learned recently. <laughs> unfortunately not now. I'm still
2: not. Even though Cheddar's a small place... Uh, I'm not the most famous person from Cheddar. That is a Skellington.
3: Is, um, is there a Wikipedia page of famous people from Cheddar? Um, there might be. There was a guy uh, in
2: the band Reef who went to my school and there's a ladies' darts champion, Trina. You know, I've adopted it and then I think because we did lots of comedy about me being from Somerset, then people assume I'm from Somerset. And because I've lost the Yorkshire accent, I did have a very broad Yorkshire accent as a four-year-old. So
3: when you, when you moved to Cheddar aged eight, do yeah. you still sound like a northerner?
2: Probably because I had four years in Loughborough. So that would take, I probably was a Midlander by then. I had a tape of myself years ago of me singing the theme tune to Wait Till Your Father Gets Home. Don't know if you remember that cartoon? Yep. Uh, in a very broad Yorkshire accent. Um, and, uh, and then I think by the time I got to Somerset, I probably lost it. But I did certainly didn't have a Somerset accent. And so, because I've lived all over the
3: place, everything's been ironed out. So l- let's look at your house in uh, in Cheddar. Rich okay. can tell me the address for privacy reasons. We we won't be broadcasting this. But... Uh, Keep going. So what I'm seeing on the screen at the moment it's a, it's going. a leaf it's a leafy idyll. Is
2: that we just that's if you turn to the left, the other way. If you go the other way. No, the other way. <laughs> so it's that one here. It's a nice rural semi. It was a bungalow that had uh, that, that was then adapted two into a, and added an extra story on top of it. There's no number, so all the houses in that street have um, names.
3: Ah, so it's not an affectation. Nope. It's not. Sometimes you will see both mm-hmm. um, numbers and names.
2: You know yeah, that my are... current house has a name and a number. Right, when I live in now, uh, but we tend to use the number. We did start using the name, and then we thought, then we felt a bit stupid. So,
3: so, so when you moved there, did yeah. you get to? I mean, so you're the youngest of three. Yes. I've got a brother, David, who is six years
2: older than me. Mm -hmm. And I've got a sister, Jill, who's five years older than me. David Bedil once
3: said to me that he thinks middle children are the funniest.
2: Um, I think there's a lot of youngest children who who have become comedians. (laughs) A spirited defence. Well, I think there are a lot because I think you're allowed. You're a bit more pampered and allowed to be funny. And you know, I think oldest kids have to be. My my brother's quite sensible, and I think he was quite serious anyway. He's funny as well, though. To be fair, but my sister was not as academic, but everyone loved her. She was very friendly and outgoing. And I'm sort of somewhere in the middle, and I'm quite outgoing, but also a bit uh, introverted as well. So, and I'm I'm sensing then quite a bookish family. My dad is very academically minded. They were very, you know, pre Summer of Love 60s couple, you know, so they were quite strict compared to other parents. And I think by the time I was getting in, you know, it was getting into the 80s when I was a teenager, and I think they maybe had relented a little bit and weren't quite as strict. Um, did you get to pick your bedroom, being the youngest? I, mean, I don't think you... I did, no. That's the hall in the middle. My bedroom's on the left. What's uh, on your bedroom wall? What was or what is? <laughs> I had very orange walls, but I think I liked orange, and I think I chose the orange. There was a long period where I had pictures of footballers on on my walls, and I wasn't that interested in football. Um, so what were you doing? Conforming? I, I think I what I liked. I played Sabutio, and I liked the leagues and things. So I think what happened is I would buy. Shoot, I got Shoot magazine for a while, but I liked it when the league there was every. Uh, new season a league table would come out where you could put all the teams into the and move them around and i'd use those in my sabutio leagues and i would have massive sabutio leagues i think almost as big as the football league but i think they might have been 12 or 15 teams, 16 teams rather than the full number of teams in each one uh, but i did
3: all the leagues including the scottish ones uh playing myself at sabutio <laughs> Which is something you see. You, you should, we're looking at the boy at eight years yeah. old, and now we're seeing the man who at fifty makes a podcast, which is a commentary of him playing snooker well, against that, himself. That's where it came it's, out it's from. Because like, you know, I
2: was playing snooker. I, I was I played sabuti on the snooker table, and I played snooker on the snooker table. And because my brother's sister are a bit older than me, my brother would play me at snooker sometimes. But I spent a lot of time entertaining myself uh and you know in with games (laughs) and you know it was so rigged. you know it's completely rigged and i would just play endless endless hours and hours maybe like five minutes each way it wasn't like it wasn't a 45 minute game
0: jeff lloyd's hometown glory on union jack taking a trip down memory lane today is richard herring
3: were you uh were you a Beano kid or a dandy kid
2: um, I think I I, I was a Wizard and Chips kid. Okay. Because um, my grandma used to send us all a comic every week, and mine was Wizard and Chips.
3: Did you remember like something making you laugh, which wasn't you know one of your classmates or your dad, or what's the first thing you remember making you laugh? So I remember my granddad saying, um, you know, what's
2: what's this? That what do you get if you cross a kangaroo with a sheep or woolly jumper? And I didn't get it, and I you know I did that thing of laughing because kids like the sort rhythm of a joke. Yeah, yeah, right? and yeah. then and then years, like, oh, I get it. Yeah, you know, and, there's, and some of the rude jokes you kind of almost hold on to and they go, oh, I get that now. Um, so I was fascinated by people who were funny, and my granddad was well, always was very chaplain esque actually, and made me laugh a lot. You know, I, was, I was really into b- the banana splits. So, like Tis was later, but I was a little bit
3: older when Tis was came out. It's interesting that you mentioned Tis was because the family you have described seemed like the exact si- type of family that wouldn't allow ITV on on a Saturday morning. Yeah. You'd have to watch Noel Edmonds on Swap Shop. They were quite like that. We were. I think when we lived uh, uh, when we lived in Leicestershire,
2: I remember getting our first colour TV. I remember my dad going to the shop and coming back, and then he turned the colour down, so he pretended it was black and white. Uh, but I could see the little, the, you know, they used to have like a red and a green and a yellow yeah. c- circle on it. So I knew it was colour. So I remember getting that. And I remember being very much like, yeah, we weren't really allowed to watch ITV. Um, but we must have, I must have watched Tiz Was at that Le- Leicestershire house. Because when I came to Cheddar at eight, um, I remember my, uh, we were in that room on the left there, that downstairs uh, in the lounge and the, the guy came to at the TV in. Uh, to connect the TV up. And my sister went, who was mad about the basic rollers, said, Do you have Shang lang here? Because in those days, all the air regions had completely different programs. And the guy went, Yeah, yeah, we do have that. And she went, Yeah. And I went, Do, it, do you have Tizwas here? And he said, No. And I l- cried. I literally cried. Oh, no. I was so upset about it. I think, and lastly, it did come. Again, I remember a time when I, I'd entered the, the competition and I I'd, I'd got it right. And then they said, The winner is
3: Richard. And I went, Yeah. And then it was someone else. Oh, <laughs> I mean, I, I, I felt mean, palpable disappointment yeah. in you telling and me so, that so,
2: and I once saw Chris Tarrant on a school trip and this was when we were in Somerset so it was a bit later and we were a bit older, maybe 12 and I went, it's Chris Tarrant and Chris Tarrant ran with his family <laughs> 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 and I think we ran after them but he, he literally started running first ran to his car, got in his car and drove off <laughs> <laughs> and I know that he couldn't just have said hello. Yeah, 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 yeah. Picked you up by your ears or something. <laughs> yeah. Is it that much so, effort? So yeah. He's obviously like on holiday. Yeah, and yeah, just, yeah. Uh, yeah. There's once when I was Al Murray's um, phone a friend on Celebrity who wants to be a millionaire. <laughs> and I really wanted to, if to, he didn't ring me in the end. Uh, hello, it's Chris Tarrant here. I was going to go. Um, what, from Tiz was? And, go, <laughs> and he'd go, yeah, and go, what are you up to now? What's going on since then? <laughs> you remember in uh, 1976? <laughs> 1979 it would have been, probably. <laughs> you were in late Geneva. You... <laughs> so I thought I'd get my own back on him,
3: but it never, it never, it never That's happened fair. for me. Was it a house with with music in it? Did your parents have records? Not really. Uh,
2: they we they really wanted us to play music. We have piano, and I we had were forced to have piano lessons, which I hated. And then I went on to have trumpet lessons, which I liked a bit more, but still hated. So if we had a trumpet here now, you'd be able to. Give I us can a... give a give a little whack, and then I moved on to the euphonium, and I wish that, and I preferred the
3: euphonium, but it was the. Can I ask, one. were you a chubby kid? Yeah. If you're giving a kid a euphonium, you, you, you're almost saying this is this is permission to become an obese child. <laughs> The but you, you never a see a svelte person playing a euphonium. I'm sure that is not true.
2: My, Google my, image it. My great granddad played the euphonium, which is part of the reason I was quite happy to go to it, and I don't think he was particularly chubby. But yeah. anyway, yeah. Um, yeah, so we were all made to do musical instruments, but my parents had, like, literally three records, I think. And what were those three? I think, like, well, the ones I remember, they had one of the Beatles blue or red ones, I think the blue one you know,
3: the compilation one. That was the one with the more far-out stuff on it, like uh, Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds yeah, maybe, and Strawberry yeah. Fields. And... What was your primary school called? Cheddar First School.
2: It was, um yeah, so there it is. It's changed quite a lot. That All those buildings are new. So if you go uh, a little bit further to the right, yep. uh, the main old school building, is so that's the fire station there. Well, I remember the weird thing, right? In Loughborough, the school term had ended. We'd broken up. We came to Cheddar, and school was still going in Cheddar, so I had to go back to school. Oh
3: no! I think <laughs> having thought you broke off for the holiday, but I
2: think also they thought this is a chance for you to meet right the other kids before you know before the summer.
3: And that's uh, an old building that looks like a church.
2: Yeah. So that was so. Then we moved into. I was in class seven. Miss Robson was my teacher, who I adored. I met her again. At a, I opened a fate in Cheddar First School uh, about ten or fifteen years ago. Miss Robson was there.
3: How did Miss Miss Robson make your entry into Cheddar First School uh, a a pleasant thing? She
2: was a a very good storyteller, and I love stories. Weirdly, again, I'd been at another school, and we'd done loads of the things already. I'm not saying Somerset's backward. (laughs) but. (laughs) <laughs> We'd covered loads of the stuff already, and I was quite a bright and precocious kid. Yeah. Anyway, uh, I got—I was really into maths, and I nearly did maths at university, and I did it at day level. And then when we did Latin, the same thing happened. There was the Cambridge course books. That was my favourite teacher ever, Mr Moore. He was amazing. Why did you love him so much? He was just really funny. I love funny teachers, and he was—he re- had a really dry sense of humour, and he was seemed ancient, but I think he must have been maybe 40, he was grey-haired and he seemed, you know, but he's still alive now, so he must be, he must have, even in my mind I think well he must have been 60, but if he was 60 he's like 100. Yeah, 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 and I don't think he's 100.
1: We interrupt this programme for an important announcement. Union Jack Radio plays six decades of the best of British music and lets you vote for it. <gasps> Download the Union Jack app or on the website and pick which song plays next. Ten million votes and counting. This is Union Jack.
0: Jeff Lloyd's Hometown Glory on Union Jack. Taking a trip down memory lane today is Richard Herring.
2: At Cheddar First, who, who was the first friend you made? Tim Banwell and Angus Ashman. Uh, and we used to walk to school together. And Tim Banwell, I think we used to walk to... And Tim Banwell moved to Western Supermare quite early on. I was writing stories and I found one of these stories and there was a... I've talked about it in one of the podcasts, but there was a story called, the, the well, it's called The Thrilling Three. I think it was meant to be The Thrilling Three, uh, but it was me, Tim Bamwell and Angus Ashman, going on adventures, but at the end of the first chapter, Tim Bamwell moved to Western Superman.
3: So you ended up as The Thrialing Two. Yeah, The Thrilling Two. <laughs> what were the adventures like? <laughs>
2: I think they were like go chasing criminals. They were a bit sort of, you know, famous fivey. Uh, I remember with Angus Ashman, I walked to school with him, but the, when we used to walk along... Uh, barrows road everyone left their car's door, door unlocked and many times i've been caught out for doing naughty things i've been trying to teach people a lesson about
3: this sounds like post-rationalization
2: so i know no, no i definitely i remember i it was outside maunders on barrows road uh yeah that's that's maunders there on the right so where that it's opposite Where if there's no cars there, so there's a car opposite but i would just open the car door and leave the door open that was my little. El so you go along the street
3: opening these doors and. And then just leave them open. <laughs> I think trying to teach the. That, this is the better, don't buy. I was trying to teach. That, the that you, you, you weren't just like doing it because you're bored and it was something to do. You were thinking, what about these people? What if there was a thief here in Cheddar? What I'm going to do is illustrate them just how easy it would be. <laughs> that wasn't what was going This is post rationalization legislation. When, when I was in the
2: sixth form, there was the woman running the little tuck shop in the sixth form area and uh, she wasn't really paying attention. So I kind of I got a Twix and put it behind my back, and my plan was when I got to the counter I was going to go. I could have stolen this, so you should take a bit more care about looking after your stock. But of course, this other dinner lady came up behind me and just saw this Twix behind my back and grabbed me, and I was in lots of trouble. And to this day, she still believes that I was stealing that Twix.
3: <laughs> How do you know? To because this my day? she still
2: she still tells my
3: dad that she, she still <laughs> talks to my dad about it,
2: and she's still convinced that I I, mean, I
3: have to say I, I'm I'm siding with the dinner lady. lady. I can promise it seems you. it like you were making it. Excuse I, I And, promise and you, you wanted to believe it I've stolen
2: you, loads of things and I've been very. I've. I'm, I've. I've. I started shoplifting a bit in my 20s and I. And I, you know, I occasionally still. If I feel. <laughs> out of control. If I feel the shop is overcharging or not doing their job properly, I will sometimes teach less. <laughs> by stealing from them <laughs> or just for the buzz because someone knows just the buzz it? <laughs> so i'm very honest about my i'm you know i'm dishonest and i occasionally commit crimes but i'm very honest about it <laughs> and, I'm, I'm so, and the police have still never caught me <laughs> even though i taunt them by telling them i have done the things <laughs> What? So I will. I'm very honest about what I haven't haven't done. So Angus Ashman's parents found, Angus told on me and then his parents said I was he wasn't allowed to hang around with me anymore.
3: No. Yeah, so so then you were just the the tr- trilling one or two. Tr- yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
2: that's, maybe that's why in the in the fancy world we were still friends yeah. maybe but in the reality we weren't. So they were my fir- they I think they were my first friends. There was a girl called Gail who was my first girlfriend at that school. Um I oh, see so
3: you you started young
2: then. Yeah. Oh yeah. How did you well, about? I mean, what can you keep? What can you tell me about
3: that relationship and how it was
2: forged? Um, I can't remember too much about it. It's like, but I, I had, I was, i actually very poor with girls, you know, and you know, pretty much till I was 35. Uh, and uh, we, I we just liked each other, so we sort of said with my girlfriend and boyfriend, and then we hung around with each other for a, a lunchtime, and then. Went, and then actually the, the next, the real first girlfriend I had, which again isn't a real one, was at middle school uh, in, in Cheddar, uh, which was by the Market Cross, which is not, I don't think the spa's there anymore. Uh, it's right in the centre of Cheddar. I was fell in love with her and we were smiling at each other in history class. And then I wrote her this massive long poem that began, I love you more than I can say I love you this and every day and every." Every line start with, I love you, and, and then it went on for four. I remember four sides of April. <laughs> it's sort of, I think it's almost, it might have been that green shop there, but I think it might be a bit further past that green shop. It's that way. Yeah. Um. There's Cheddar Library across there, which my dad would want me to tell you is they keep on trying to close it, and they should not close it because it is a vital part of the community. But anyway, Sally Waits yeah. uh, was delighted and um, sent her friends to tell me she would go out with me. So we then, So what I remember about that, I think the similar thing with Gail. I can't remember Gail's last name. Sorry, Gail. Um, with Sally, we held hands and walked around school for one lunchtime. Despite the poem that you'd written. Yes, so the poem was she was enamoured with me. But then I didn't know what to do. You know, you don't know what to do, do you? No. So we just held hands, walked around smiling. And then I think maybe did that for two breaks. And then she went, and then she said I didn't say anything. So she didn't want to go out with me anymore. But she told you this to your face? No, I think she sent her friends to tell oh, me that. Oh, no, Rich. So uh yeah, so it was uh a very brief and that and that was probably the only girlfriend I had in middle school. I had like a couple of girlfriends that I met on holiday that make you sound like they're not real. <laughs> <laughs>
3: you read my mind there. Uh, yeah.
2: So there's Carla who's this Dutch girl. Yeah, of course there was, yeah, yeah. Uh and uh, she let me touch
3: her bosom. Pretty good on holiday, but at school... What do you was... think was going on for you that you couldn't be this... Lothario's not the right word, but what <laughs> what's was going on that you were, eight, were you so romantically confident when you were outside of Cheddar, but you couldn't... I don't know. I think, like, I think my dad being
2: my headmaster was not a, a massive help in these endeavours. I, but I also... The Headmaster Sun Show is really about me realising i was the person i was before i went to that school and i, I was obsessed with comedy and i was obsessed with sex uh, and girls weren't really interested in me and i was overbearingly romantic
0: jeff lloyd's hometown glory on union jack taking a trip down memory lane today is richard herring
3: we talk about cheddar because I've got no... No, sex. let's talk about my girlfriend. <laughs> let's talk about me not having sex <laughs>
0: um,
3: I've, I've not got any sense of cheddar apart from it's yeah. in the West Country, there's a gorge and it's where cheddar comes from. Well, is that not enough for you? <laughs> I'm, uh, looking, I'm looking at the pictures we're seeing up on the screen and it's got that sort of quaint West Country, not quite Cotswolds-ish, but almost look to it as a town. Am I, am I getting that right? Am I seeing it through roasted I mean, glasses? It's, it's sort of quite... Um, there's, there's old bits and there's... <laughs> look at that guy. Uh, I even mean, it looks like as we're looking on Google Maps that people just go and stand on corners because there's nowhere else
1: to wearing go wearing pink yeah. shirts and brown yeah.
3: trousers that's nice um, there, there's a lot of history there's the
2: market cross which is every couple of years someone drives a lorry into <laughs> <laughs> but it's been standing something like that has been standing there since medieval times right. uh, but then gets battered by lorries um, the first time I had sex in cheddar was uh, in that little bed and breakfast just past them because I, w- I was uh, I used to work in cheddar caves and there was a cave guide from Australia who uh, was staying in that, bread and breakfast there, and I. I Aha.
3: So what age? What age did you work as a cave
2: guide? When I was like eighteen, it was my year off. I think maybe, yeah, my year off, and then in the first year of university, I'd come back and still do stuff there. What can you tell That's, me about the caves? I can tell you everything. There, you, we need to go to the caves. The, I mean, Cheddar Gorge is where this town is at. So the rest of it's all fairly basic. That's the little manager's office there. So we used to um, there used to be a little guide room to the, on the lower story of that, and we'd uh, go in there. The manager of that caves when I was there. This is who, what I want to write about was embezzling money, <laughs> right? Uh, but like on such a small scale that it was tragic.
3: So took she, it took like hundreds
2: of pounds. Or something. Well, it was this lady, and she would go down. Uh, she would relieve the the the, the woman on the and uh, the counter there, which is just below that blue sign is. Uh, and for the for lunch for a lunch hour, and take a roll of last year's tickets, which looked, to all, to all intents and purposes, the same as this year's tickets, but had different numbers on them. And then f- during the lunch period, would sell those tickets and right. pocket the money. So you'd buy this ticket to all the attractions, which might at that point have cost ten pounds for everything, maybe maybe less than that. So she might manage to sell. Five of those every lunchtime, and probably would have had to sell a couple of the regular ones as well. So she could have been making twenty or thirty pounds extra a day. On top of her, presumably not.
3: Were you horrified when this when this well, came I, out when it the was, scandal
2: like, broke? I think it was quite quite funny. Did did you suspect her? I wouldn't have suspected
3: of stealing stuff. I when I worked, maybe she was stealing to teach them a lesson about how <laughs> yeah. how fallible their system is. She was doing, using the herring defence. <laughs> when
2: I went in Jacob's ladder. They had that had separate tickets, and very occasionally someone would want to just go up Jacob's Ladder, and there was no real. Just would went through. I wouldn't give them the ticket, and I would take the fifty p. And I must have made one pound fifty that way over
3: the whole time. <laughs> I wonder what the statute of limitations on this stuff is. I'm, I'm worried about them coming after you. So, so anyway, yes. So, so your Australian tour guide—I don't know if her girlfriend is overstating it. No, really. But, but would you? I mean, would you? Would you go into the caves after the public had left? And, well, no. She—I'd stopped working there
2: by the time she. Me and her hooked up. So uh, right. No, people did have sex in the caves. I mean, like sometimes you'd find there were little nooks and crannies, and sometimes people would be discovered
3: in Flagrento. And is that on your bucket list?
2: Uh, To have sex in a cave? Yes. No, and I've never done it, and I don't, uh, I I think, uh, you know, I'm just happy if I manage it. If you get through life without doing that, you'll consider (laughs) it a success. I think any sex now is a a bonus, (laughs)
1: isn't it? I've I've got two kids. Hello there. We're Union Jack. First time listening to us. Welcome to the family. We play the best of British music. Sure best of British comedy. <laughs> Don't panic, you <laughs> stupid little plonker. Don't mention the war. I have a cunning
0: plan. He's not the massage. He's a very naughty boy.
1: <laughs> and you lot get involved too.
0: Tally ho, it's Union Jack. Hello.
1: Anyway, back to the main event, Mr. Jeff Lloyd.
3: Feels like you're always on tour, but you, you, it was. I was under the impression that you were now a family man. You were going to really scale this stuff back. Yeah, well, I might do. It's hard. I'm old, and that's what the show's about—being fifty. So, um, in what ways does it take itself? So, when you when you're on tour and you visit in a provincial town, for example, like presumably they do some kind of a, like over fifties special at the local chip shop. <laughs> You'd be benefiting of that kind of thing. I always just buy sandwiches from uh, the on the service
2: station. Usually, that's what I usually do on the way there then you drive home, you can't sleep, and then you've got a, a tiny baby at home, and you can't sleep as well. So. And, and previously, you would have thrown yourself into a life of hedonism exactly. post-show. But. Yeah, I would have gone to Travelodge and had a glass of wine, and then mm. gone to the bedroom and made my own amusement, is what well. <laughs> I would have done in the past, which isn't too different than what I do now, if I do stay in hotel.
3: And this show is, in, in a way, it's a sequel to a show you did mm-hmm. a, a decade ago. Mm-hmm. I did a show about turning 40, called Oh, I'm 40. That was a good bleep. It's no fun if you bleep
2: it. I'm going to try and sneak it in so you can't. (laughs) F. (laughs) <laughs> no, uh, too quick for you. You were you were very yeah. good. Well done. And uh, yeah, so that was. And, and I kind of wanted. I, th- I think it's a nice idea to try. I'm, I'm going to try and do it every ten years. So this is the penultimate instalment of the franchise. <laughs> <laughs> I would imagine. Uh, if I'm if I'm at the moment, I feel like I'll be lucky to get to sixty. But I've had a nice life, so I'm not, <laughs> that's fine. But when I was forty, yeah, I was so I was living a, a kind of crazier life than I'm living now. Hanging around with people in their twenties, drinking a lot, crying. <laughs> Getting, I had a, got in a fight, and you know it was it was, it was all very out of character. So the, the me I am now, ten years on, in that we're now I'm married and two kids, and I've still got the element of childishness that I had. Do they find you funny? My son is a big smiler and so you know, but you make kids, it's wind. you make babies like laugh. <laughs> makes is he smiling because he's got wind. No, he it's nothing me, to see, do with external stimuli. He sees me smiling, I'm, you know, you can make him laugh by poking his face or you know singing a funny song. So he is starting to laugh a little bit. My daughter is quite, it's sort of like a she's only three, but she's like a teenager so she's quite embarrassed about me and i said so, we sometimes have fun and laugh but she, when she forgets herself she's just got into finding poo and we really funny so we've just basically, so she's now at your level we're bond, yeah, we're bonded
3: yeah, yeah. Now. uh if people want to find out where you are i mean you are very active online you, yes and i'm on twitter herring 1967 which is the year of my birth Why? Who, who's got Richard Herring on Twitter?
2: Uh, someone did have it, and then I was offered it by, I think they'd let it go. There's a few Richard Herring. There's a guy called Richard Herring in America who tweets quite uh, evocative uh, things about women. <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs> There's a few of them out there, uh, but I think I was offered it, and I ter- and I was already I'd already used herring one nine six seven, so I didn't want to give, give it up. And they offered me a blue tick as well. I, have you got a blue tick? Yeah. I don't, I don't see the point.
3: Things haven't gone as great for me in in my career as they have for you, Rich. Though, so the, things like a blue tick mean more to me.
2: Yeah, I don't see. Apparently, you can can you? Message other people with blue. T- Is it are you in a special club? Where I don't you can do know. Things?
3: I just felt like it was some kind of recognition for. <laughs> I kind like of like not toil. I
2: like to give people the impression there might be someone out there who's insane enough to tweet <laughs> as me
3: a hundred times a day, like I do, on an International <laughs> or Women's Day a thousand times a day. If you got to go back and um, uh, observe yourself as a, as, a, as, a, as a ghost, you know you can't interact. But at any age, yeah, uh, in your hometown of Cheddar, like where, where would you like to? would you like to watch Little Rich? (laughs) What would he be up to? Which chapter?
2: Um, I mean, maybe early, because I remember most of the other stuff. I mean, I I was quite sad because I felt like I was, I didn't, you know, I I think my friends' memories of it is is different, but I felt like I was very self-conscious and, you know, as all teenagers are and feeling I was missing out on stuff, and I was a bit of a goody-goody, and my friends were sometimes a bit naughty than I was. Up the gorge one time, some of my friends decided they would go to the, the Wishing Well, which is a bit further down uh, down the gorge to the right, uh, there was like a place where people just chuck their money in and they thought, well, why, why don't we go down? And it was for charity. Yeah. And they went down one night <laughs> their pants and tried to dive down there and steal the money. Wow. And I wouldn't go with them. Right. And you're like you say like...
3: saying you wish you had gone and stolen, well, I kind of stolen wish, the like, charity money? I
2: wish. It was an adventure. I don't think they got away with much. Right, and they, right. The police turned up and they had to scarper. Yeah. But that kind of fun. I was very straight-laced because I, I felt like I had to conform, I suppose, to a certain degree.
3: And what about a building, like a, a physical space that you would love to just be in and touch the things as they were then? Um, I mean, is it that branch of the spa? <laughs> <laughs> um,
2: I mean, you know, Cheddar hasn't changed that much. Right. So. Mostly you can go back and... Do that if you want to. I'm just trying to think if there's anywhere that uh, has gone uh, that I loved down there. Shipham Strawberry Fair, I would mind going back there. I nearly got off with Sandra Helia. <laughs> Henry Kelly came from going for gold.
3: A, a strawberry fair,
2: a fair of strawberries. Well, it was just like, it was called a strawberry fair. It's just like a, a basic celebration of summer.
3: Of, not of, stra- right? Okay, I was seeing it as a celebration I mean, I think of there strawberries. strawberries there. Yeah, but I didn't know what the Henry Kelly <laughs> strawberry connection was, but the answer is there he, just, wasn't he was one. the celebrity. Yeah, he probably got
2: paid yeah. tens of pounds to come to that.
3: <laughs> I bet the they'd wor- have you back to do a strawberry fair. Yeah, they might do. If wor- somebody
2: dropped out. The Wurzels wor- <laughs> <the> wor- <laughs> <laughs> did shift from strawberry fair. Remember that one? <laughs> right. Oh, there's some good strawberry. Straw, that was Draycott strawberry for actually the one, the other Henry Kelly one. Rich, I'll let you go. Thank you no, so much. No, I want to talk more about <laughs> Tom Somerset.
0: Only on Union Jack. You're listening to Jeff Lloyd's Hometown Glory.
3: And that's it. Another trip down memory lane here on Union Jack with the fantastic Richard Herring. Keep listening to Union Jack because you'll never guess what's coming up next. No, literally you won't. There are six decades of British music all voted for by listeners on the Union Jack app, so I have literally no idea what's playing next. It may have even changed in the time it's taken me to say this sentence. I'll be back in a couple of weeks' time for another episode of Hometown Glory with the very funny Simon Evans. Thanks again for listening.
0: Jeff Lloyd's Hometown Glory on Union Jack. A trip down memory lane with Britain's best-loved comedians.
1: Excuse me, you then. Yes, you. Thanks so much for tuning in to Union Jack. We're a radio station that celebrates six decades of the best of British music and comedy. I
0: don't believe
1: it! Oh, and we also have this lot underdogs bringing the best new British music
0: oh I bet <laughs>
1: Wednesday evenings from nine they did warn me about you like Andy Murray's 15 love songs topical comedy with famous guests hi Andy it's uh, Tom Daly here Sunday mornings from 11 uh, we tried getting pregnant the usual way but it, you know it just wasn't working and Jeff Lloyd's hometown glory a trip down memory lane with Britain's best Loved comedians Nick Helm, hello Hello, how are you doing? Saturday mornings from 11 Across the UK on digital radio Across the world on the internet And in your ears right now This is this The name's Jack Union Jack Playing the best of British